I had one of those moments this afternoon. You know, those moments when you have to take a, a long look at yourself in a mirror and give yourself a bit of a talking to. You see, this afternoon, it's a very sad afternoon. There's many people here, I'm sure I'm not alone, who are struggling with the whole theme of celebration this evening. Because like me, they would have spent the afternoon glued to Test Match Special or Sky, if you're one of them. And you've been following England, desperately clinging on to that tiny little urn that is the Ashes, the, the biggest prize in English cricket. And England should have been stuffed. They should have been dead and buried because they haven't been very good. But it got to today. It's the last day of the fourth test. And basically, they, they, they had to either, either win or draw this test match. And today, they had to bat for the whole day against one of the best bowling attacks in the world. And they lost wickets slowly but surely. But it got down to the last session and there was two wickets left. And these two English batsmen who should never have, never have done so well, they played out their skins. They were brilliant. And the light began to fade and you thought, come on, cloud over, get dark. Or, or, or rain, it's Manchester for goodness sake, it's Old Trafford, surely it's going to rain, it always rains up there, it's up north. But it didn't, the light was good. And eventually, at about six o'clock, England lost their last wicket. And I'll, I'll tell you now, I was gutted. I was, I've been excited about the Ashes all year, more so than the Cricket World Cup even. We won that. And so, at about six o'clock, I just had this really, really gutted, empty feeling inside. I was absolutely gutted, because England always seems to do this. You know, in, in football, they never just get stuffed 5-0 by France, and you think, oh, well, that's that done then. They always sort of, you know, give away a penalty in the 93rd minute and, and lose on goal difference, but they, they just always seem to find a way to, to lose. And sure enough, the, the cricket team have a very similar ability to grab defeat from the jaws of victory. And Joe suddenly said to me, Tom, it's five past six, you, you should get going. And I thought, yeah, you're right. And then I thought, I've got to go and take a, a celebration service. I, feel, I couldn't feel further from celebrating. Celebration is not on my radar at the moment. And I've got to go and, I've got to go and, and speak and be upbeat, and, and I'm just not feeling it. And so I went through the, the notes of the, the sermon I had planned, and I, I'll be completely honest, I felt flat. And just as I was going out the door... I just passed the mirror, and I never normally do this, as you've probably noticed, I don't often check my appearance in mirrors, um, but I just kind of, I glanced at myself, and I was, I was in my head, I was just, I was, I was, I was praying, just, Lord, please, lift, lift, this is ridiculous, lift my spirits, please, after this morning, I had a brilliant, uplifting service, this is stupid, this is stupid, and as I looked at myself in the mirror, I was trying to, come on, you know, this is, I need to lift it, if I'm not passionate about what I'm saying, how can I expect you to be passionate about what I'm saying? And I just really felt, as I was praying, this, I just felt this impression. I wouldn't say a, a voice, it wasn't one of those moments, but I just felt this agreement from God. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, this is pathetic. This is pathetic. Because if England had won this afternoon, you'd be celebrating, you'd have your arms in the air, you'd be saying, yes, come on! We've got a draw. <laughs> Brilliant. And actually... What you're going to be celebrating tonight at church is so much bigger. So, 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 so much bigger than any sporting achievement. Tom, you're absolutely right, mate. You are pathetic. So, 
sort it out. And as I drove down here, um, I was thinking about the theme of celebration. And the sermon that I planned earlier in the week somehow just didn't seem to cut it. And as I got here, I just thought, I've got to, I've got to go with something else. So the sermon that we've got planned, it's, it's, been, it's been planned at quite short notice, but it's in response to what I felt God was doing when he gave me a bit of a kick up the backside and told me to sort my attitude out. Because we all need those moments, don't we? Every now and then we all find ourselves focusing on something that simply, quite frankly, is not important. We all find ourselves getting bogged down and, and, and our waters being muddied by, by the, the things that go on around us, which actually, in comparison to, to the greatness of God, are completely insignificant. Because God's always in control. Because God has, has sent his son to live and to die and to die for us and to take the, take the sting out of death. To rise again. To give us the opportunity to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then he ascended back into heaven. And he waits there for the day when we join him there. That is something worth celebrating. That is worth celebrating. The psalm that we're going to start with this evening is Psalm 15. This is, worth, this is worth focusing on in a celebration service. You see, it starts with two questions. It's a psalm of David. We read these words. The first verse. It's only a short psalm. You'll be pleased to hear. David writes, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? In other words, who's entitled to live with you? Who's entitled to take up residency in your house, to, 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 to be your, your neighbour? Who? Someone must, surely. Someone must live there. You don't want to live in isolation. If you had been happy living in isolation, you wouldn't have created mankind. You created mankind because you wanted, wanted us to love. You wanted someone to, to, to love and to follow you. So who? Who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? The rest of the psalm is the answer to those two very simple questions. Ready for the answer? The first part. He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. So you're, you're, you're not denying that someone can dwell in your sanctuary. Someone can live on your holy hill. But, but you're setting the conditions. He who is blameless. So I'll tell you what, let's, let's just do a quick exercise. Um, if we get to the end of this psalm, and anyone thinks they're entitled to live on that holy hill or dwell in God's sanctuary with him, then, then stick your hand up, okay? If you go through that tick list, you think, yep, 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 then, because I reckon that every single one of us, from verse two onwards, immediately, one, two, three, four, five words in, he whose walk is blameless. None of us can claim to be blameless in any way. None of us can get beyond the first line of the answer to the questions that David poses and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still checking right moves to find the best side of the hill to live on. That's, that's, I'm there. 
None of us. Who does what is righteous? Well, we try. We try to be blameless. We try to do what is righteous. Of course we do. But we don't always get it right. We can't claim that for all of our existence so far, we are blameless and righteous. We'd have to rewind all the way back to the day we were born and, and just start trying to do things even better than we, than we have managed to so far. We still, even if we could do that, we still would not be able to say, I'm blameless and I'm righteous. Next part of the answer. He who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue. Again, we try. But how many of us here? How many of us here have have never spoken an untruth? Have never got it wrong? Have never made made a mistake and then tried to cover up our mistakes by... By telling lies. Or maybe we've slandered someone. We all love a bit of juicy gossip, don't we? How many of us can honestly say we've never passed on something purely for the thrill of gossip rather than it actually needing to be passed on? Goes on in verse 3. He who does his neighbour no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man. Nope, I'm afraid I can't claim that one either. You see, all of us here, all of us here at some point, we would have, we would have cast a slur on someone, said something unpleasant about someone. Maybe encouraged a rumour or repeated a story. Defiled someone's character. Stabbed someone in the back. He who despises a vile man. Well, maybe we can claim that one. Maybe we can actually say, yeah, I despise vile people. I'll go along with that. But then, of course, we, we run the risk, don't we? Because how do we, how do we define who is vile? In God's eyes, we are all sinners. Who are we to start picking out and say, yeah, well, they're all right, you know, the, the Christian lot, they're they're lovely. Him, he's a nightmare, absolutely vile. Yep, I despise him. Yep, therefore, I'm I'm righteous, Lord. Straight away, God says, (laughs) no, you're not. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. So actually, we can't claim a right to dwell in the sanctuary of the Lord. Because we don't live up to the expectations. We We don't measure up to the requirements. Do we keep our oath even when it hurts? Are we completely honest with every single penny that we have? Are we never tempted to to gamble? Some people are tempted to cheat. Some people are tempted to to invest what they can't afford to invest purely because they're, they're, they're sucked in, they're, they're, they're seduced by the promise of what might happen. We are all fallible. 
So this psalm is important when we talk about celebration. You're probably sitting there thinking, this does not sound like anything to celebrate. You've basically told us that none of us have the right to live in heaven. You've basically told us that none of us are good enough for God. That's not particularly celebratory. But, but there is reason to celebrate. Because you see, if we take this psalm in isolation, we say, David's absolutely right. None of us measure up. None of us are good enough. There is nothing to celebrate there. Unless, unless we turn forward. We turn forward to John's Gospel. And we read in John 14, when we're just in this pit of despair and and the minister suddenly dragged us down from the celebration after the worship and we're now thinking we are awful. What a terrible bunch of people we are standing here. We suddenly open the Gospel of John and look at chapter 14 and we read Jesus saying to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. There's the celebration right there. You see, Jesus came down onto this earth because because his father knew full well that he was never going to have a neighbour unless he did something about it. None of us were ever going to live up to the requirements that we needed to meet in order to live in God's sanctuary, to live on that holy hill, to enter the holy courts, to take up residency in heaven. None of us could have done that. And so he sent his son into the world. And Jesus said, I am going to prepare a room for you. You follow me, I'll come back for you, and I'll take you there. And you will dwell in my father's house. In answer to David's questions, all we have to do is follow Jesus. All we have to do is follow Jesus. We should, of course, do our absolute best to live up to to all the other standards that are set in Psalm 15. We should make sure that we don't slander, we don't gossip, that we don't, don't offend, that we don't upset, that we don't lie, that we don't cheat. We should make sure that we can try and be the best Christians that we can possibly be, but not because that's what makes the difference, not because that is what's going to get us into heaven. But that should be our response to what Jesus has done for us. That should be our response, our our, our act of gratitude to say thank you for the simple fact that through grace we've been saved. Paul writes to the Romans in his letter in chapter 10. he's, He's speaking about the mechanics of this, how this works. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in and how they can believe in the one of whom they've not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can they preach unless they're sent this is getting back to what we were talking about this morning isn't it 
This is, this is us. We've got a world of people out there and we're very good at identifying all the, the initiatives that we'd like to do and all the places that we should be and all the people we need to be reaching out to. But when are we going to do it? What are we going to do it now? The next, next chapter for this church has got to be looking and saying, do you know what, we've got a church of people who are blessed in so many ways with so many talents and gifts. There are so many skills. There are so many leaders. There are so many people who are prepared to, to give up the time and energy to go and do things. And now we've got to do it. We've got to get out there. We've got to take advantage of the opportunities in, in, in Costa Coffee to go and, and sit there and simply, simply sit there and wait for people to come and ask for prayer. It's not a hardship, is it? Sitting in a coffee shop waiting for someone to come and say, would you mind praying for me? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll just get another donut. Well, that'd be Gary anyway, certainly. But it's not a hardship, is it? All we have to do, we confess Jesus with our mouths. But before we do that, we believe Jesus in our hearts. We believe Jesus in our hearts. We don't have to have some sort of character test and prove ourselves to be blameless, because we can't. We don't have to prove ourselves to be righteous, because we're not. We don't have to prove ourselves to be without sin, because we are sinners. But you know, God uses sinners to build his kingdom. He uses you. He uses me. And that is something worth celebrating. It really is. And it's all born out of the fact that we are loved. Paul wrote in his letter to the, first letter to the Corinthians, love never fails. Love never fails. He says love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's what love is and love is what God has for us. Love is, is what God expresses to us. Love is what motivated God to send his son onto this earth. Love is what motivated God to send Jesus in order to ultimately pay pay the price for our sin on the cross. To pay the price so that as Jesus died on that cross, so suddenly the avenue was opened up for us to have a, a living, loving, close, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. We don't have to go through priests and high priests. We don't have to to make animal sacrifices or anything like that. Because it's been done. Jesus is the the high priest. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. There is nothing we can do that's going to better that. And so we celebrate. Because if we're here tonight and we have chosen to follow Jesus, then my goodness, that's worth celebrating. Because we are loved by God. That perfect and pure and holy love he feels for each and every person here tonight. And he feels it for each and every person out there. Even the ones we might despise. Even the Australians. God loves us. And one day, if we choose to follow Jesus, one day he promises us 
that we will take up residency in that room that is being prepared for us right now. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. That is worth celebrating. And that's what I just felt God bringing me to. When I got here tonight, after I'd driven down, after I'd been at home and given myself that look in the mirror and a little talking to, and as I was driving down, I just thought, I need to act on this. I need to do something about it. Because we all have these moments. We all have these moments where life just gets on top of us. When I was on holiday this summer, I was snorkelling in the sea and I was in fairly deep water. And um, uh, I I, I love snorkelling, but... um, I was swimming along, I was looking down at the sand and looking at, you know, fish and bits and pieces. And I always, I saw Jaws as a child when I was very young. And I always have that slight, I always like to know what's behind me. I always sort of check every now and then. And I was swimming along and suddenly this shadow just passed by me. And I'm a, I, was, I was terrified, all right? I don't mind saying that. I thought, what is that? And I sort of swung around in the water and I, I looked all around me. And I couldn't see anything. And I thought, oh, wow. I don't know what that was. It wasn't a boat. And so I carried on going, I carried on going. And suddenly, I was, I was, I was making a beeline for the shore, to be honest, because I've, I'd gone out quite a long way, and I thought, I, I'm, I'm the only one out here. It, that freaks me out. And it was only when I got closer, I suddenly thought, you idiot. It was a cloud. A cloud had gone over, and I'd just kind of been on the, the edge of the shadow, and it had just passed over um, quickly, because it was, it was quite a windy day. It just passed over me, and I'd convinced myself it was something to be afraid of. But it wasn't. It was just a cloud. And I think sometimes, sometimes we're so focused on, on, on our own little area that something happens, and we forget. We forget that God's looking and saying, you're you're making a much bigger thing out of this than you actually should be. That's not a crisis. Don't worry about it. I've got it under control. You're okay. I've got you. I've got you. So, to finish, in a post-Christ world, We can read the opening of Psalm 15. Or we can give an answer to David. It's a bit different to the one that he recorded in the psalm. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? We can. Because of the grace of God. Because of the love that God shows to his children. We can. That's worth celebrating. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you so much for Jesus, for sending him to come and to live and to teach amongst us. But ultimately, thank you for sending him to the cross. Thank you that he chose to go to the cross for us. And thank you for the power that he had to rise from the grave, to defeat death. Thank you, Lord, that, that through that act, through some, some mechanism that we, we still struggle to grasp even today, we are saved. 
Thank you, Lord, that because of that, if we follow Jesus with our hearts, then we are saved. We can go one day and take up residency in that room that he has prepared for us. And Father, we pray that you will help us amid our celebration of that fact, of that truth. Help us, Lord, to profess our salvation with our mouths. To go in whatever conversations we face this week, whatever situations we find ourselves in. Father, help us to to have the courage, to have the strength, to, to have the faith, Lord. To share the joy of knowing you with others. To share our faith. To be bold. To be ferocious in telling people about our faith. Lord, we know it takes strength. We know it takes courage. But we pray, Lord, we pray for opportunity. And we pray that we will not back out when those opportunities come. Because we have got something to celebrate, which if the rest of the world knew and understood the magnitude, they would be celebrating too. So, Father, as we seek to build your church, as we seek to build your kingdom, we pray for your, for your power to be upon us, for your blessing to be within us, for your spirit to be pouring from us, and for your glory to be reflected in all that we do. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.